You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Buddha Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Makers. Mark, and this is going to be a kind of wide-ranging podcast, a lot of stuff going on, not just for the Saints, but the NFL, and we're going to cover all that, going to talk about Brian Flores' situation, which also obviously pertains to the big picture, but also pertains to the Saints, too, because he just actually interviewed with the, the team on Tuesday night for their head coaching vacancy. We also have the Tom Brady retiring news, which... I know a lot of you guys are probably dancing and, and singing about that one. So that obviously is going to change the NFC South picture as a whole, how people view the division, who's going to be a favorite next year, who the hell knows. It really kind of is a, a big jumbled mess, and I'll get into that in a little bit. And also, I want to talk about the quarterback situation for the Saints with the senior ball going down right now in Mobile, Alabama. There are three particular quarterbacks that I would love to see on the Saints if they go that route. And I'll kind of talk about why I actually think drafting quarterback might be the best route for this team. I'll talk about that at the end. But I want to start off with the main topic going on in the NFL today, and that's really the Brian Flores situation. So on Tuesday, word gets out. Brian Flores files a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three teams in particular, Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging discrimination regarding his interview process with Denver and New York and also his firing last month with Miami. And there was so much information in here, but there were three stories in particular. That stood out. One of them, which did produce some funny jokes on Twitter, but it really isn't a joke because it shows that, man, if this is true, there really is some really crappy shit going on in the NFL. And that's the first one with the Dolphins. Allegedly, their owner, Stephen Ross, would A, or incentivize, I should say, Brian Flores to lose games in his first year with Miami, which is very interesting, right? Because when Flores first got there, Miami's roster was easily the worst in the league. And a lot of people actually theorized, hey, are the Dolphins actively tanking? Now, Flores got them to play really well towards the end of that season. And clearly, he wasn't doing what Ross wanted him to do, which was tank because they were winning games towards the end of the year. But if an owner is actually handing out $100,000 per loss because you're incentivized to tank and get a better draft pick and get a better uh, prospect, which they ended up with two of the next year anyway, had they tanked, maybe they did get Burrow. But that's not the point. That is wrong. And then it begs the question, what else is going on if that's a thing? So that's one. Two is the Giants thing. Now, this comes together with Bill Belichick's text messages. I know you guys have probably already saw them. Him congratulating Brian Flores on getting the Giants head coaching job before his interview, three days before his second interview with them. And Flores basically was like, hey, have you heard something I haven't heard? And then it turns out that that text message was supposed to go to Brian Dayball, who is the Giants head coach now. And that would make you think, and rightfully so, that if that is true, the Giants made up their mind, brought Brian Flores in for another interview for pretty much shits and giggles because they were going to hire Brian Dayball anyway. And that's basically the definition of a sham interview if that's what went down. Now, obviously, everything's going to come out and we'll, we'll figure this all out, but that is pretty damn interesting. And I will say, I don't think Bill Belichick makes mistakes like that. I, I, I don't. Maybe I'm being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here, but I kind of feel like Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. And he has a lot of love and respect for Brian Flores, hence why they worked so well together in New England. I would be surprised if he just accidentally texted the wrong Brian. Bill Belichick hates the NFL just as much as Saints fans. I'm just saying there could be something there. But but more importantly, if this is true, then obviously the Rooney rule is not helping. If anything, it's actually doing more harm than good because you're bringing in candidates like a Brian Flores or even in Jacksonville and other spots like a Byron Leftwich 
who are worthy candidates, but the interviews don't really matter. It's just all kind of a, a PR stunt for some of these teams, and that's the real problem. So that is the second issue with Brian Flores, uh, his lawsuit with the NFL and what he brought up. The third one is also pretty damn bad, and I would say this one might be the most ridiculous one, and I don't think it's getting enough attention, but he's saying in 2019 he interviewed for the Broncos' head coaching job. Now, the Broncos ended up hiring Vic Fangio anyway, but they bring in Brian Flores, and he said that when he met with John Elway and other executives of the Broncos, they arrived to the interview now are late and hungover, saying, claiming that they drank heavily the night before. Now, if this is true, that goes back to what I just said, right? These interviews that these teams have to do because of the Rooney rule, they're not taking serious anyway, which is really ridiculous because I remember when the Rooney rule came out, a lot of people were like, this is going to be great because black head coaches will get the chance to interview with teams that they wouldn't have the chance to in the past. And that sounds great until you realize that these poor candidates are going on interviews where they got no shot in hell. And for them, that actually might be embarrassing to think about going into an interview with John Elway and these guys who were drunk and not giving you the time of day because for them, they're just checking something off the list. They're not looking for you to be a legit candidate. They're just filling out the obligations that they have. And that's not what this was supposed to be for. And it is a big deal. So before I get into a couple of other things and move on to my next topic on this, you know, particular podcast. I've noticed a lot of people talk about this Brian Flores situation. And look, I, we know what we know and we know, and we don't know what we don't know. And I think for something like this, you want to wait and, and see how this plays out. But the one thing I will say is there are a lot of people who just think he's making this up because he got fired and they don't know if we'll get another head coaching job. When you sue the NFL and you're going to go this route, you know that you're pretty much risking your entire career. And and I know, you know, the jury might still be out on Brian Flores as to what's his ceiling as a head coach or what went wrong in Miami because it seemed like there was a lot of head clashing that went on. Back-to-back winning seasons, there are teams doing way worse than Brian Flores as a head coach, way worse. He is pretty damn young. Uh, you know, if your career could be over over something like this, I would, I, in my opinion, I would doubt that it would be over false claims. I, I'd imagine he has pretty damning evidence here, and we'll see what happens. But before I wrap this up, I, I, I want to just say, you you look at the coordinators around this league, a lot of them, a lot of them are black coaches, and you can go down the list. Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, Byron Leftwich, Raheem Morris, D'Amico Ryans, Aaron Glenn, Eric Bieniemy, even take Chris Richard of the Saints, you take all these, these assistant coaches, and they're all really good, right? But, They're not head coaches. There's only one black head coach in the NFL. That is Mike Tomlin. And you look around the other side, and guys like Josh McDaniels get second chances. Guys like Adam Gase get second chances. It boils down to this. You cannot slap an end racism sticker on a helmet and think that's actually going to end racism. It starts with the owners. It starts with the owners. And I don't know how it gets fixed, but it is a legit problem. So I am actually glad this got brought to light. As much as I do love the NFL in terms of enjoying the product on Sundays, you know behind the scenes, everything is just ridiculous. This isn't anything new to us, unfortunately. But maybe, maybe this does produce some change. And it's worth noting that although Brian Flores did sue the NFL this week, he did have his meeting last night with the Saints for their head coaching interview, and he is going to be considered a pretty intriguing candidate. Obviously, his track record is stronger than a couple of other candidates like Darren Rizzi as a head coach or Dennis Allen as a head coach or Aaron Glenn as a head coach. But 
bringing it over to the Saints now, kind of shifting over to this coaching search and, and what's going on there. I really like what they've been doing so far. Now, I don't know where they're going to go with this. You know, a lot of people are waiting for an answer. I don't think we really get an answer until next week. Maybe, maybe the week after. Um, but I, I really do like what they're doing. I, I think it would be so simple for the Saints to kind of just get the Aaron, you know, if, if they were really just about their BS, get the Aaron Glenn interview out of the way because they're doing him a favor in quotes. Get the Brian Flores interview out of the way and then just hire Dennis Allen. That would be the, that would be the sham of it all, right? For them to do that. But I genuinely feel like the Saints are bringing in these coaches like an Aaron Glenn, like a Brian Flores, like a Doug Peterson. And they're letting them show what their vision would be for this roster. And I said this was really important, right? You can go hire Dennis Allen. And if they do that, it makes a lot of sense, right? I've said DA deserves a second chance. But you don't want to rush the process. And interviewing with these candidates, who knows? Maybe you might be able to take something from what they said and kind of apply it to a different situation when, when you know, DA comes, if he's the head coach, maybe you learn something from Doug Peterson that you might want to pass that knowledge down to him. Or maybe you learn from Aaron Glenn that you might want to pass that knowledge and vice versa, right? Maybe you learn something from DA that you would pass on to whoever might be the next head coach. If it was Flores or if it was Glenn, whatever it might be. So I think this is the right approach to the Saints coaching search. And overall, I really do like all the candidates. I think the one that would confuse people the most is Darren Rizzi. Because you're talking about a special teams coordinator, and I think people will be a little bit confused. But I do want to add that people do universally around the league love Darren Rizzi. So there is that. Obviously, Flores coming off back-to-back -back win winning seasons. Peterson's won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. And I know the fallout wasn't great, but he still is a Super Bowl winning head coach. And, and I do think that you would look into the Philly situation and see that he's not the only one to blame. There are a lot of factors there. So we'll see what happens in there. Obviously, Aaron Glenn, you guys know how I feel about him. I, I was upset to see him go when he was the secondaries coach, but I was happy that he got the coordinator job for the Lions defense there in Detroit. He's on the rise. I, I would be surprised if Aaron Glenn's not a head coach in a couple of years. He just he has that steady presence that you want. Um, and then Dennis Allen, the last one there. I It would be hypocritical of me to say Dennis Allen deserves a coaching job. Dennis Allen deserves a second chance. And then when like he gets one with the Saints, to be like, Oh, but I didn't mean that. Like, no, that, that would be ridiculous. I, I think DA's done a great job. And I think there are some coaches that like the stint goes so bad or they handle themselves in such a crappy manner that they're not going to get a second chance, right? Like Joe Judge should never get a second head coaching gig ever, ever. He was an absolute freaking joke. Dennis Allen, though, Raiders at a different time. They're going through this phase where they're rebuilding and he didn't do well. Like we all know he didn't do well. I think, though, with his second go-around, he's had all these years to kind of learn from his mistakes and learn from Sean Payton. And if he's the head coach, that would be great. If not, if it's one of these other candidates, I really like what the Saints are doing with the search. I really do. Now, I would love to see them get an interview in with Byron Leftwich because they requested one, but we never heard that they actually spoke with him. And you guys know that I really like Byron Leftwich. I don't know where things stand between him and Miami, but Mike McDaniel, the 49ers, another coordinator that... Saints want to bring in for an interview. I would love that. But it kind of seems like they're honing in on the five options they have right now, and they're all five good options. So we'll see what happens there. But the Saints head coaching search, in my opinion, I think they're doing a pretty good job so far. Now, let's get to the next thing. Let's talk about Tom Brady, man. I'll, I'm going to say it in two parts. We'll talk about the NFC South in just a minute, but I will, I will say this. I've probably on this podcast been critical of Tom Brady, and, and that's probably just because the Saints are playing the Bucs, and this rivalry over the last two years, now it's gone. It's it's literally gone. Just as quick as it came, it left. 
it was fun. Like those two years of the Brady and the Bree stuff or the Brady and the Winston stuff. And, and those were kind of fun storylines. And, and I thought they were really enjoyable. And obviously the Saints shutting him out on, on primetime twice was pretty damn impressive. But at the end of the day, he is the most decorated quarterback. I think you would be in denial to say he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. And again, this is a dude who loves Drew Brees here, but the numbers speak for themselves. The accolades speak for themselves. And it is kind of crazy. I mean, he's going to retire in a sense where he's 44 and you still feel like he had more football left to play, which is terrible in terms of the casual viewing fan if you want to see more Tom Brady. For the Saints, though, that is pretty good news because like I said, and you can hate Tom Brady all you want, he is easily, if he was coming back, the best quarterback in the NFC South. Now you take him out of the picture. And this is why I say the NFC South is so wide open. Look at the quarterbacks in the South. Matt Ryan of the Falcons. I love Matt Ryan in terms of overcoming kind of dysfunction in Atlanta. I, I think he doesn't get enough credit. Now, I know that I, this is just terrible to say as someone who likes the Saints. I know some people probably just threw up in their mouths. But I think Matt Ryan's better than we all give him credit for, right? But, man, he's on the Falcons. And their O-line needs work. And Calvin Ridley may want to get traded. And do we know for sure that Arthur Smith is the right coach? So we got to find all that out. So Atlanta's still in flux. The Buccaneers now, they got a lot of free agents. They got to sign Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, Leonard Fournette. I would imagine Gronk retires now with Brady. They have roster overhaul. And on top of it, what's their QB situation? It's Kyle Trask, who they haven't get they haven't gotten to see play yet, and Blaine Gabbert, who we all know is at this point just a backup in the NFL. Panthers, they're on the hook for 20 plus million for Sam Darnold. I, I could just say that and I could move on to the next team, which is your New Orleans Saints. And their quarterback situation is not great either. It's Taysom Hill and Ian Book as of now. But let's not kid ourselves. The Saints will add another quarterback, whether that is a Jameis Winston, whether that is maybe a reunion with Teddy Bridgewater, whether that is trading for a quarterback like a Derek Carr or a Garoppolo, whatever it might be, or, and this is the last option, and now I'm going to transition over to what I want to say next, drafting a quarterback. I know that drafting a quarterback can be a little bit scary because there's a pretty good chance that you could whiff, right? I mean, you look at quarterback classes over the years and you want to say that, oh, this person's going to be a guaranteed star. Or this person has what it takes. But the truth of the matter is we don't know. We don't know who's going to be a star. We don't know who's going to be able to overcome dysfunction. And we don't know who's just going to kind of take their game to the next level. There are some guys that could just flatline. And there are some guys who didn't look great in college. And my God, they look great in the NFL. And I think Josh Allen would be a perfect example of that. So it is a little scary. You are playing with house money at that point, but I'm looking around and the trade market's not looking great. And, and free agency, there there are some options like Jameis and Teddy Bridgewater are the options if the Saints are going with a bridge quarterback for the next year or two. And, and, and I get that. But I, I look at three quarterbacks in particular, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and Carson Strong. And I'm not saying the Saints are going to draft a quarterback. Who the hell knows? And, and the good thing is you'll kind of get an answer because I think the Saints will let you know what they need after free agency's over. Like if the if free agency comes and passes and the Saints do not have a quarterback outside of Hill and Book, they're drafting a quarterback. They're not going into the, the season with Taysom Hill and Ian Book. That, that's a death sentence at the most important position in, in sports. But Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, I think those are the quarterbacks that if you're going to go that route, you can kind of talk yourself into each one. And I'll kind of briefly tell you what I like about each one. And 
as the process goes on, we're going to learn a little bit more about what the Saints might like. And again, what's really hard to judge about this, and this is why I'm not going to go completely all in on this topic and spend like 10, 20 minutes on it, is because we don't even know who the Saints head coach is. And I think once we know who the Saints head coach is, then we could kind of move on to, okay, that's done. Check that off the list. Now we move to the quarterback. What's the vision for said head coach that they choose? Got to figure that out as well. So let's just say briefly what I like. Malik Willis, who, by the way, did talk to the Saints. Um, Adam and, and Ryan of the, the Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast put that up. Uh, they're at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. They, they put up a video real quick of, of Malik talking about how he did meet with the Saints and got to talk with them. So that is excellent news because Malik is different from what the Saints have had. He is a really, really exciting prospect. I, I This is how I'll put Malik Willis. The best throw you'll see out of any quarterback in this draft process is going to come from Malik Willis. And potentially the worst throw you're going to see in this draft process is also going to come from Malik Willis. And it's finding the right coaching staff and the right scheme to work around his strengths, kind of like what the Ravens have done with Lamar. And that's why I really love what they've done with Lamar is they play to his strengths. If the right team drafts Malik Willis and the system's in place for just letting him make throws on the run, letting him use his legs, giving him options where his first read should be open, can hit it and go. That's where he's going to succeed. And the one thing I'm going to give Malik Willis a lot more credit than most people do, downfield accuracy. You can go through the tape and there will be misses, but there's misses with every single quarterback prospect. So you're nitpicking if you're going to choose Malik Willis's misses. But I look through them and throws a pretty ball. And, and I think that is really important. Now, I know some people have said that they don't like his uh, mechanics. I personally don't look at his mechanics and say they're disgusting. I know some people, like when I used to watch Cam Newton throw, I felt like it was a little bit of a struggle. There was an extra hitch, and I didn't really personally like that. But again, Cam Newton had a damn good career, so who cares? But with Malik, I kind of think it's more so on the side if he throws the football pretty easy. And you look at the plays he can make off script. Those are the type that today's NFL quarterbacks are making. So if he gets in the right situation, which I could say about just about every top quarterback prospect, I don't see why this kid can't be good. And again, the Saints would have to trade up for Malik Willis. They'd have to probably trade up for Kenny Pickett as well. Carson Strong, I don't think they'd have to trade up for. But at the end of the day, it should be which quarterback do you like and which one do you like the most? Because you don't make decisions off money or draft picks because if you're doing that, you're not getting your guy, right? Could you imagine if you really wanted, let's say, Kenny Pickett and he's probably going to go around 12. You're sitting at 18. But you're like, hey, can I get Quinny Pickett at 12? Who's my guy? Or can I get Carson Strong at 18 and just sit here? That would be a bad business decision. Teams don't do that. Maybe some stupid teams. The Saints are not one of those. So Malik's up there. I love what he does off script. My concerns would be too many one-read plays at Liberty. But again, that is also going to be the change, right? If he comes over to the NFL, does he have to start right away? Maybe not. Maybe we have to deal with Taysom for a couple of games before Malik's ready, whatever it might be. Hypothetically speaking, don't go off the rails there. That that could be an option, but I think the talent is absolutely there from Malik Willis, and he did have a great day at the Senior Bowl yesterday. Now, I know it's just one practice, but these are the steps that if he's going to solidify himself as, hey, I'm a top 10 to 15 pick, that's what you got to do, and I think he will be a top 15 pick. I think a team will, a teams at the end of the day will say he is QB1, and it's the gifts that he has and, and you just develop him a little bit more. And if you do that, he could be a special player. Now, the next quarterback, Kenny Pickett, there's a lot to like with him, right? He can make throws on the run. He has all that experience. The experience is the, the selling point as to if you draft Kenny Pickett, 
he's starting week one. He he is poised. He got better each year with Pitt. The health is kind of what hurt him in terms of you might look at his Pitt numbers and be like, why is it not consistent? I would say the health was a big problem, but he was healthy for his final season. He can make plays on the run, which gives you that added element. He's not just a statue in the pocket. And I think, look, there are concerns about his hand size. We did the same thing with Joe Burrow. And I think Joe Burrow's doing pretty fine for himself. I don't know about you. I think he's got a game for next Sunday. So, you know, I'm not really worried about the hand size there. And again, he didn't get his hand measured because his thumbs are double jointed. He's going to get them measured at the combine. We'll find out there. But even if they are, you know, smaller hands than Carson Strong or Malik Willis or or any other quarterback like a Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, I love what Kenny Pickett can do in the pocket. I love what he can do outside of the pocket. I love what he can do in the red zone. And I think Kenny Pickett's going to be a damn good quarterback. He's kind of been my my QB one in terms of who I like the most throughout this process. Now, Malik is really growing on me as I continue to watch him more and more. But again, if the Saints hypothetically drafted Pickett, I would be all on board with that. And then Carson Strong, this is the one that's probably, I don't want to say the, the, the most unlikely because it definitely is possible. I would say it's the most... Uh, we'll go away. Let's go ahead and, and, and say polarizing, right? Because arm talent, man, Carson Strong has a rocket attached to his arm. And you're going to see it. Everything's with zip. Now, he's not a runner. You are not getting running with Carson Strong. Out of the three, he's the least mobile by far. He is really a traditional pocket quarterback. If you get him, you better build a damn good O-line because he is not going to run away from pressure like Malik, like potentially Kenny Pickett. Not happening but he can throw the ball really, really well. And that would be the selling point if you're building an offense that's going to be predicated around a West Coast or predicated around a pocket passer. Carson Strong is your guy. Now, you can go watch his tape. Now, the worry would be his knee injury. I think he'll be fine. I don't I don't believe he was wearing a brace for the first senior bowl practice, which would mean he's getting a little bit more confident where he's at with his knee injury, which is great news. You obviously don't want guys like him still dealing with that lingering effect. But... Wolf, man, you you watch Carson Strong throw the football, specifically his Cal tape, that game alone. And you're you're facing Cal. It is a Power 5 program. I would say there were five throws he made in that game that I looked at and I was like, that's an NFL caliber throw. That's an NFL caliber throw. And then there were two in particular that I'm like, I don't know if every starting quarterback in the NFL can make those throws. Like the arm talent with Carson Strong is impressive. I know a lot of people haven't ranked towards the end of the first round, early second. I think he'll work his way into definitely being a first-round pick because it's a QB-needy team. Teams like the Saints need QBs. So Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, those are the three quarterbacks that are going to be rookies that I like. And I think when you get a rookie quarterback, there's a lot of benefits, right? It helps out your cap situation. It gives you a chance to build around that said quarterback with that low cap number. And it also jumpstarts your Super Bowl window. The Saints aren't in their Super Bowl window. I don't care what anyone says. As of right now, this roster, it is good, but because they don't have the quarterback situation situation figured out, I would not say they're a Super Bowl contending team. If you hit on a rookie quarterback, the clock restarts, and now you got four or five years of that window. We've kind of seen it with the Rams. We've seen it with the Chiefs. We've seen it with the Bills. We could now see it with the 49ers if Trey Lance hits. These are the opportunities that teams love. So I think if you can get a rookie quarterback in the building and let's say you do hit on them, 
That's your selling point. That is that is what gets you back into the Super Bowl picture. And look around the league. Look at all the quarterbacks people are gushing over. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, all first-round picks. Every single one of the first-round picks. The, the day and the era of getting day two, maybe even day three quarterbacks that are going to play and make an impact, that's over. It's, it's round one for the most part. It's round one. So th- that's just the way I see it. I know people are going to have different opinions on this, and that is totally okay. But I look around, and I know the trade market. I think the trade market's not as deep as people say. I think Aaron Rodgers, despite his posturing, I think he'll go back to Green Bay. Russell Wilson, despite listing a teams, a couple of teams that he would play for, I think he'll play for Seattle next year. And you start to see the options go by. And yeah, the Saints could bring Jameis Winston back, or they could sign a Teddy Bridgewater or make a trade for a game manager. But why not draft a quarterback? Why not draft a quarterback in the first round, I should say? And kind of rid yourself of Derek Rayson's and Ian Books and go after a quarterback who could develop into a franchise quarterback. And that's what the name of the game is, right? Like, I know a lot of people see what certain teams can do with a game manager and make a run, and you can. But I've already had this conversation with you guys. When you have a game manager, everything else kind of has to be perfect. And when you have a franchise quarterback, the margin for error is actually bigger because those dudes just overcome so much. You look at the Bengals. And I'll end it here. You look at what the Bengals, what they were thought of a year ago, two years ago, an absolute joke. I remember when Joe Burrow was going to get drafted by the Bengals. People said he should refuse to go to the Bengals because they are just a dysfunctional organization. Well, two years later, because Joe Burrow is so damn good, and I know none of these guys, the odds of them being Joe Burrow is so slim. Joe Burrow is a special talent and a special leader. The Bengals are a Super Bowl team two years after drafting him. You draft these kids, if you hit, it's all up from there. So we'll see what happens, guys. But those are three rookie quarterbacks Why I'd actually like on the Saints. And I know that this was a topic that might not grow on everyone. And for some of you, you might be in on it. But it's just the way I feel right now. I'm looking around the league. You see a lot of young talent. I think the Saints got the defense to keep them in games regardless of who their quarterback is going to be. So why not get a rookie quarterback and let them learn on the fly, get better, and potentially be that next franchise quarterback? Because I don't know if I see their franchise quarter, quarterback in free agency. I don't know if I see the franchise quarterback in the trademark because I don't know if it's going to be as good as people think it will be. It's not just how I feel about this quarterback situation right now, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason, but all of it kind of starts right now in Mobile with the Senior Bowl. I'm learn a lot, a little bit more about these prospects, who they met with, who didn't meet with the Saints, which ones really loved their interactions with them. And we'll have more when that comes out. But that's going to do it, guys, for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Thank you guys all so much for listening and Stay tuned for more content. Obviously, when the Saints have their next head coach, I'll be here to talk about it. When the Saints make a move at quarterback, I'll be here to talk about it. It's going to be fun offseason. I'm actually really excited to see what happens and excited for you guys to be along for the ride. So I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of your week and stay tuned for more content in the near future on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.